Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. What comes to mind when you think of rosé? Well, stop thinking that because it's reductive and probably a bit sexist. Unless you were thinking it was just red and white wine mixed, which is not really correct, but doesn't have anything to do with sexism. Rosé is a type of wine with a long history and has been a big hit today. So we're going to pop a cork, pour a glass, and learn something today. Oh, and obviously have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. <laughs> hi. Oh, hi, everybody. Uh, is there anything particularly pressing going on today? I, I don't think we've got any any news, and we don't have anywhere to talk about it. <laughs> true, true. Oh, sorry, I was getting distracted by Mario. But, um... <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like someone's staring over my shoulder. <laughs> It's uh, the audio oh, I feel like somebody's <laughs> watching. It's me. <laughs> there's a for for the audio listeners. There's a uh, a quickly deflating uh, five foot five tall. foot tall Mario balloon behind Chris. <laughs> it's disconcerting. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we uh, we definitely have a topic to get into today. Do we? Yes, and hopefully this clip will work. Chop up my rosé, please, Janice. Pharmacist from Warrenwood. Oh, Clara. All the scandalous Cheers. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was uh, the only clip I could think of. <laughs> no, I was like, well, I we're appreciate getting Roy it. Kenton here, it's fine. <laughs> he's here, he's there, he's... Every effing where. Yeah, I was trying to figure out if, if I should go full... Full F bomb or not. But anyway, uh, rose. Rose is what happens when the skins of grapes touch wine for only a short time. <laughs> that feels like it's some some grape skin over the shirt action. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, what's the weirdest way to think of this? Uh, anyway. See, I've just had. Uh... We talked pre-show. Uh, Rosé to, or yeah, just insert it into Jolene. <laughs> I'm still like, how did that connection happen? Okay. Rosé, 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 Rosé. Because my mind is always searching for a joke, and then it, it's like, oh, that works so well in there, but then that's where the joke, it just stops. So you're <laughs> like, it doesn't go anywhere else. There's no there's no meat on those bones. I'm drinking you because my man. <laughs> 
doesn't quite flow as well, but anyway. Uh, where some red wines ferment for weeks at a time on red grape skins, uh, rosé wines are stained red for just a few hours, which... <laughs> Yeah. I just feel like like stained red. Yeah, it feels like he just spilled some wine in there. And, Oops! <laughs> Oops! All red. The wine ranker has a comp- has complete control over the color of the wine and removes the red grape skins, the source of the red pigment, when the wine reaches the perfect color. I like to imagine there's a trap door and you just gotta go pull. <laughs> because of this, uh, nearly any red red wine grape, red red wine grape. Uh, from Cabernet Sauvignon to uh, to Syrah uh, can be used to make rosé. But there are several common styles and grapes that are preferred. Uh, there are three major ways to produce rosé wine. Uh, skin contact. Gross. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to say this. I'm sorry. Sangne. Sangne. Uh, and blending. Uh they can be made still semi-sparkling or sparkling uh, and with a wide range of sweetness levels. Uh, besides a few such uh, rare examples, such as uh, rosé from Band- uh, Bandol, France, you should expect to drink rosé within a year of its release. Hmm. Casey, you're still good on that one that you had. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not bad. Um, and that makes sense uh, even more for the brand because of... We'll get into it when we get to what we're that. <laughs> just way, way ahead of ourselves here. Streets ahead. Pierce would say. Oh, I was just going to say the sanguine uh, comes from sanguination. Mm-hmm. Same word means bleed. Or blood. Yeah. That's yeah. what that was running through my mind. I was like, it can't mean that, can it? Oh, yeah. Because French. Because it's. <clears throat> I'm just picturing a 10 foot tall, power armored. Flowing blonde haired, red armored. <laughs> See, I was Never thinking mind. the power metal band that <laughs> has the Power Wolf and they have the song uh, We Drink Your Blood. Ah, oh, yeah. Good. Well, there you go. No, sorry. Power Wolf would definitely be Lehman Russ, not, not <laughs> Ben Quinius. Uh, anyway, uh, it's likely that many of the earliest red wines, who thought we were going to throw Warhammer 40K into a rose episode? <laughs> I didn't when I woke up this morning. Oh, we need a 40k rose. Space. <laughs> 40k rose. I mean, what you said just spewed perfection. See. Space Nazis. They make their way into everything. Uh, anyway, it's likely many uh, many of the earliest red wines were made closer in appearance to today's rosés than they would to two modern red wines. Uh, it's because winemaking techniques used to make today's darker, more tannic red wines, such as extended maceration and harder pressing, were not widely practiced in ancient winemaking. Uh, both red and white wine grapes uh, were often pressed as, uh, pressed soon after harvest with very little maceration time, by hand, feet, or even sackcloth, uh, creating juices uh, that uh, was only lightly pigmented. Why? You said that and I just got... <laughs> He-Man in my head for some reason. Sackcloth. No. Oh, the, <laughs> by hand, feet, and the oh. <laughs> I have the power. The power. This is a stinky. I have the rosé. Stinky foot. <laughs> and that just, for some reason, seems skeletal. Like, 
<laughs> Skeletor just sitting there with a glass of rosé going... <laughs> oh, too good. It's a weird, weird day today, guys. Apparently. Um, here we are sipping on rosé, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was an understanding uh, as early as the ancient Greek and Roman winemakers that harder press uh, pressing and letting the juices sit for a period with the skins would make darker, heavier wines. Is that what the but kids the call letting it soak? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but the resulting wine was often considered too harsh and less desirable. That said, they were drinking that stuff from morning till night <laughs> and cutting it with water. Like, they weren't... <laughs> probably not the best to do the full red that point. It, if anyone was going to have a rosé, it was probably the Romans. This sentiment lasted well into the Middle Ages, uh, when pale clarets from the Bordeaux, uh, from the Bordeaux. Oh, I'm sorry, just trying to see if I could make is Brittany it, stroke out. The mighty Bordeaux. <laughs> <laughs> Bordeaux fly, fly together. Uh, no, uh, the pale clarets in the Bordeaux, Bordeaux were starting to gain a, uh, the world's attention. To the powerful English market, the most prized clarets were, uh, wa- uh, were according to wine historian Hugh Johnson, uh, the Vin de Nuit, or the wine of one night. Yeah. All right. Uh, because you drink so much of it in one night, you'll never drink it again. Uh, anyway, these were pale uh, rosé-colored wines made from juices that, allow- that was allowed only a single night of skin contact. Still not not making it sound better. <laughs> nope. Just one ah. Uh, they should they should have one of these and they should just call it the one night stand. Um <laughs> the darker wine produced from must that had longer skin ta- contact were known as Vin Verme Vermele uh, or Pippin to the English. <laughs> I'm just picturing uh a took or a brandy book. Pippin. Oh. Took. 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 Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure he was the Took, and the other one was the... Anyway. Took. Uh, also, if your uh, prolonged skin contact is giving you a bad must, see your doctor. <laughs> if must continues for more than... <laughs> what's more what's than four our, hours. What's our medication for must? <laughs> we'll get there, I'm sure. Anyway, the the Vin Verme, the the Pippin, uh, was considered to be of much less quality, uh, so darker wines weren't sought after. I guess when rosé wine uh, is the primary product, it is produced with the skin contact method. Black skin grapes are crushed, and the skins are allowed to, to remain in contact with the juices for a short per- period, typically between two and twenty hours. That's some variance. <laughs> Any time in there, uh, you know. That's that's either. Uh, Oh, did I leave the oven on? Or uh, why not go for twenty? Why not do it a whole day? But anyway, the grape must is then pressed and the skins discarded rather than left in contact throughout fermentation. When winemakers want, uh, when a winemaker wants a red wine to have more tannin and color, some pink juice from the must can be removed at an early stage in what is known as the sa- the sangani. French were bleeding. Uh, red wine uh, remaining in the vats is intensified as a result of the bleeding because the volume of the juice in the must is reduced. The must involved uh, uh, involved in the maceration becomes more concentrated. The pink juice uh, that is removed can be fermented separately to produce rosé. 
simple mixing of red and white wine to impart color is uncommon and is discouraged in most wine-growing regions, especially in France, where it's forbidden by law. Uh, <laughs> except in Champagne. They, sure. it, champagne, they do what they want. Champagne. Uh, even in Champagne, uh, the several high-end producers do not use this method, but rather the Sanguinis. All right, well, similarly, in the early history of Champagne, the wines produced from this region during the Middle Ages were nothing like the sparkling white wines associated with the region today. Instead, they were pale red and even pinkish with some champions. <laughs> I was reading that as uh, champenois. Champenois. Champion. Winemakers using elderberries. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Those French and their elderberries. <laughs> to add more red color, it's a bad old money pot. I was just joke. no. All I could think of was like yeah, their mother was a hamster and their father smelled of elderberries. <laughs> Silly English connigates. <laughs> I fought in your general direction. Uh, to add more red color to the wines as they competed with the wines of Burgundy for the lucrative <laughs> Flemish wine trade. Ah, <laughs> uh, good old Burgundy. <laughs> In the 16th, anyone just like just tuning in will be like, I'm so sorry. The hell are these people all about? (laughs) It's like, well, you missed (laughs) the Burgundy episode. Uh, In the 16th and 17th century, the region achieved some acclaim for their white wines made from Pinot Noir grapes, but rather than actually being white, these wines were instead a pale grayish pink. That doesn't sound appealing at all. (laughs) That was reminiscent of a partridge's eye. And earned the nickname, oh, God. Uh, no, that's not the nickname. Um, some, yeah, nickname, something rather de, I, I don't know, Padri. It's an O and a capital E, like. Smushed. Mushed together. It's Swiss. So, Swiss German, I guess. Damn Swiss. Uh, a style of rosé still being produced in Switzerland. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, I in, assume it's Swiss German. I don't know. Well, in the late 17th century, uh, that word again. Champenois. Champenois. Just guessing. Uh, aided by the work of Dom Perignon, uh, learned how to better separate the skins from the must and produce truly white wines from red wine grapes. So some some real alchemy stuff going on. Which I also, I, I learned a lot in this episode, actually. <laughs> Even as Champenois moved towards producing sparkling wines, they continued to produce both sparkling and still rosés, often by means of blending a small amount of red wine to color up an already made white wine. The depth of color was dependent on the amount of red wine added, with the red wine having more influence on the resulting flavor of the wine if added in larger volumes. That sounds like a giant duh. Hmm, if we add more red wine, it improves the flavor. Weird. Strange that. By the way, Brittany, how much uh, how much wine mouth are you getting from uh, from rosé? I have to say, this is uh, <laughs> this is more appealing to me because of the lack of wine mouth. <laughs> Even though I do prefer red wines, if I'm going to have wine at all. Do the red red wines make you feel so fine? <laughs> yes, indeed. The the red red ports get you tanked. Okay. <laughs> they do. Uh, In the early 1970s, demand for white wine exceeded the availability of white wine grapes. So many California producers made white, with quotes, wine from red grapes. 
in a form of God, that word keeps coming back. Sanguine, I guess. Sanguine. Uh, if it's sanguination, I assume it's sanguine. <laughs> uh, production with minimal skin contact. In 1975, Sutter Holmes, White Zinfandel uh, wine, experienced a stuck fermentation, a problem in which the yeast goes dormant, ooh, or in some cases <laughs> dies off before all the sugar is turned into alcohol. Winemaker Bob Trenchero. Uh, put it aside for two weeks, then upon tasting it, decided to sell the pinker, sweeter wine. <laughs> I like the idea of going, look, I have two options. I can take a whole loss or just see how it sells. <laughs> Ship it anyway. What about quality control, sir? What about my bottom line? <laughs> Comes the- back. <laughs> we don't make We don't make the other kind anymore. In fact, add sugar. Was the old? Uh, I like I like the guys at Pringles. It's like on when it came to shipping day, a bunch of tennis ball tubes showed up, and they said, "F it, fill them up." <laughs> fill them up. <laughs> oh, Mitch Hedberg. Oh, okay. That does sound like one of his jokes, actually. <laughs> well, in 1976, wine writer Jerry D. Mead visited Mill Creek Vineyards in Sonoma. <laughs> Of course, he's a wine writer with the last day mead. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things you can't make this up. <laughs> Visited Mill Creek Vineyards in Sonoma County, California. Charles Creek. That's an. Crack. I'm gonna say that's another one. Creek. I don't uh, know. I'm guessing. I just I'll, I'll, given no, both options. I like Creek because it, it keeps with our current. You know, they have it's like how? What are the odds? Alcohol last names. Uh, had been on the first to plant Cabernet Sauvignon vines in California and offered Mead a wine made from Cabernet that was a pale... Pa- <laughs> Look, that's getting real confused. <laughs> offered Mead offered a wine. Jerry. Wait, who? <laughs> They're offering liquids, liquids. What's happening over there? <laughs> I heard you like wine. But he offered Mead a wine made from Cabernet that was a pale pink and not yet named. Craig would not call it white Cabernet as it was much darker in color than red grape white wines of the time, though not as dark as the rosés he had known. He jokingly suggested the name Cabernet Blush. Later that evening, he phoned Craig to say he no longer thought the name to be a joke. <laughs> I, I like that idea. He's like, you know, call it Cabernet Blush. <laughs> a couple hours later, no. No, it's brilliant. <laughs> I'm going to copyright I, that. And, in fact, and if you tell anyone else, I'll sue you. In 1978, Crack trademarked the word blush. <laughs> the name caught on as a marketing name for the semi-sweet wines <laughs> from producers such as Sutter Home and Behringer. Today, blush, wines, uh, blush wine appears on wine lists more often as a category rather than a specific wine. In 2010, Mill Creek produced a rosé wine for the first time in years, although Jeremy Crack, Charles' grandson and current winemaker, chose not to use the blush name. Although blush originally referred to a color pale pink, it now tends to indicate a relatively sweet pink wine, typically with 2.5% residual sugar, in North America, dry pink wines are usually marketed as rosé, but sometimes as blush. In Europe, almost all pink wines are referred to as rosé, regardless of sugar levels, even semi-sweet ones from California. 
as the term rosé regained popularity in the U.S. market, shares of wine-labeled blush declined from 22% of all wines consumed in the U.S. in 1997 to 15% in 2003. So, yeah. it's, uh, that's a quick turnaround. <laughs> that's a hefty it, loss. That's the power, but power a name. of marketing, too. Yeah. It's, it's Behringer White Zen. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the entire market. When, yeah, I was going to say, once... once Behringer's White Zen, and you know, once they come out, you can have as many competitive, you know, as many copy versions of that too. And it's just yep. like, yeah. So, like, when you when you've got the Behringer White Zen gets real popular, really crazy, and then, well, I've I've now switched over to wine. So, what else is there that's actually adult? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was always a joke when I worked at Don Pablo's because they were people would come in and like ask for wine and like. Some of the other servers were like, "We have Behringer. Like, what do you guys? You're at a Mexican restaurant, <laughs> you know, like a Tex-Mex place. Like, Behringer has other wines that aren't white Zinfandel. It's just that the name, like their their brand, is just not. <laughs> what are you doing yeah. going to a Mexican restaurant? This is, yeah, going. You, can I see your wine list? It's like, no, you should be getting the Lotzerita. That's the size of your head. No, you <laughs> should be getting. You should be getting milk. And then ordering the spiciest food on the menu. True. And accepting the consequences later that night. <laughs> that is where I discovered my love for Cholula. So. Okay. Um, so the process of, of rosé making. So as mentioned previously, the, we're going to say, sanguine method of winemaking is the practice of removing or bleeding off. <laughs> Uh, some of the juice from the must in order to more deeply concentrate the phen- phenolics, color, and flavor of the red wine. Good news, guys. Uh, Rosé's bleed means we can kill it. <laughs> uh, it has a long history of use in the French wine regions of Bordeaux and Burgundy, but wasn't always used for rosé production. For some red winemakers, the juice bleed off is simply poured down the drain or used as topping wine, which I didn't know existed, to fill <laughs> the uh, Ullage? Ullage? I don't know. Uh, the headspace of barrels and tanks during storage. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Like you don't have. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Like, eh, just throw it in. So y- you get angel share from wine, and oh. they just want to keep the barrels topped up. Yeah. yeah. So oh. get something that's got a little bit of whatever, just to makes sense. Uh, its use uh. in rosé production is sometimes considered an afterthought as a way to increase cash flow by producing a second, sometimes consider, or sorry, a second wine to a primary red wine that can be released much sooner and available to market. While many wineries have been able to produce critically acclaimed rosé using the Sanguinet method, its used its use has provoked criticism from wine personalities such as Francois Milo, president of the Province Wine Council. Uh, who claim that Sanguine Method rosés are not true rosés because the bleeding process, which is not pressed with the must, is more of an afterthought. Uh, Another method of producing rosé is to severely decolorize a red wine using absorbent charcoal, such as activated (laughs) carbon. Uh, This purer form of charcoal obtained by the dry distillation of carbon compounds, such as wood or peat, has a high ratio of surface area to weight that absorbs color compounds as well as other phenolics and colloids in a wine. I want to do a weird experiment episode <laughs> where we buy 
a lot of water filters. Yeah. Are we, are we going to do the... Oh. We do vodka. Yeah. We do, we do yeah. wine. Uh, and yes. we try to see how we can refine what, yeah. what we can do. Like this, that's, that's a special episode right there. It's uh, easy. Easily done. We could do that. Yeah, I was say I don't think it's a difficult one to do. I just think it would be fun to kind of like Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Oh, so we make our our own have a drink uh basically bathtub wine by filtering it down. <laughs> uh So you say bathtub wine and all I'm thinking like no, we have have a drinks. We left our Welsh's in the in the in the cabinet too long with some yeast. Uh <laughs> As long as we don't do it in uh, like bajillion degree heat and humidity, like we did that one at Casey's that time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when we did the the the, 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 the in the garage, and it was like raining, and then like ninety percent humidity, and yeah, we all got really drunk really fast because we're like, hey, here's all these huge barrel aged beers. Let's yeah, <laughs> that was the great hop pellet tasting. <laughs> it was. Um... Yeah. Uh, we yeah. brew it. We were brewing that same day too. Yeah, that was yeah. Yeah. We never released anything we recorded from that because the sound was horrendous. The, the audio was oh, sure. and we all yeah. got we got trashed, and it was just like oh. <laughs> but we were live streaming, I think. Yeah. If yeah. You caught yeah. the live stream of that. Well, good for you. <laughs> Otherwise, we buried you could barely audio. hear us. Yeah, yeah we buried that audio. All right. Well, so uh, while it can be used to decolorize a wine. Often, much more than just color is stripped from the wine, which makes this method very rarely used in the production of quality rosés. While Same, we get a we get a very full body, full body wine is as you know heavy as you can think of, and then just put it through a yeah, put it through a filter. I mean, yeah, it, we need to put that on the list. Uh, while on the topic of color, the paint color of a rosé can range from a pale quote onion skin orange to a vivid near purple depending on the grape varieties used and winemaking techniques. Usually the wine is labeled rosé in French, Portuguese, and English-speaking countries, rosado in Spanish, and rosato uh, in Italian. I mean, basically just rose in all of them. Yeah, probably. Uh, Except fancier, you know. A rose Um, by any name. (laughs) Most wine grapes produce clear or colorless juice. This includes such well-known red wine grape varieties as Cabernet Sauvignon and Pinot Noir. The color in red wine grapes comes from phenolics in the skin called oh, anthocyanins question mark, uh, that react with other components in wine such as tannins, um, acetaldehyde, and pyruvic acid uh, to form poly- guys, this, I, why did I get all the words? Uh, you polymeric it. pigments. You, yeah. you gave me French. True. Okay. Fair. Uh, the uh, anthocyanins are extracted from the skin during the process of maceration, which can last from a few hours in the case of some rosés, which usually only have 20 to 50 uh, milligram or milliliters. Wait, milligrams per liter? Is that what that means? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, of the anthocyanins, that, that word. Um, to several days in the case of most red wines, um, which often have in excess of 250 milligrams per liter. Just a bit more. Um, according to uh, Conseil Interprofessionnel de Vin de Provence in France, 
Rosés in Provence display one of these different colors. Melon or cantaloupe, uh, peach, red currant, grapefruit, mango, or mandarin. Mango. <laughs> I can't ever, ever say the word without hearing that in my head after it. Um, many studies have shown that the color of wine influences consumers' perception about the wine. Look, it's Chris Catan's best Saturday Night Live. It really is. Like, recurring character, that or Mr. Peepers. One of those yeah. two. Uh, while these studies have shown that consumers tend to prefer the appearance of darker rosés in blind taste testing, which we've learned is the best thing to do, uh, consumers prefer the lighter colored rosés. For these reasons, many rosé winemakers are mindful of the color quality of their rosé and make winemaking decisions based on this factor. This includes the extent of maceration, whether or not to sanguine from a darker red wine, and even to do a color adjustment by blending in some finished red wine in order to reach the desired color. <laughs> Sir, we accidentally made a white wine. Uh, pour a little Cabernet in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, <coughs> there are listed out here on the varietals um, of of kind of the um, main grape, if you will, that's going to be in a um, in most of these traditional rosés, um, and there are four to kind of talk about pretty heavily: Grenache. Pinot Noir, Sangiovese, and Syrah are the um, the four main grape varietals that you're going to find in Rosé. So Grenache, uh, one of the top varieties of Provence Rosé blends. You also find it in northern Spain, which is called Grenache Rosado. It has very strawberry, raspberry, watermelon candy, lemonade with cucumber flavors to it. Um, they yeah, have you burst. almost had me, and then you said <laughs> cucumber, and I was like, no. Oh, it, I love cucumber and drinks. Yeah. It's the I, best. Look, I like pickles. <laughs> I'm still upset that I didn't get uh, when Urban Artifact did um, the hotel oh. water beer. Oh, uh, I, we're going to do a quick aside. It's craft beer week here in Lexington. Oh. And they had a, uh, there's a collaboration Void did with the Rock House or some, someone in town. But they did a uh, wasabi gosa. Mm. Oh! Don't breathe at your nose. No, it's <laughs> it. It's not that spicy. It, okay. it has a spicy that's kind of like peaks very quickly. Not even enough for you to even really. It's just enough for like a flavor and a small kick, and then it just bottoms out into like you know like a, a, a sweet, like flavorful kind of uh, salty finish. Mm. Uh, and it makes me think not 100% in flavor, but in kind of like the aftertaste of like a very spicy pickle. Mm. Like a hot, like a, yeah. Okay. So it, I, I had some of that Friday and it was, mm. I have debated getting into wasabi actually, making. Actually, when I had that, I'm pretty sure uh, Justin Witt, you, we need to get some of this for Casey. Oh, <laughs> Please. Um, wasabi that you get at, you, at all your restaurants nowadays. Horseradish. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just colored and, and flavored a little bit differently. Um, and traditional wasabi 
it takes a long time to grow, and once you grade it, it loses its spiciness in just a few hours, really. Um, so you're not going to get it. It has to be freshly graded or else you're not going to get it. But it's outrageously expensive to buy. And right. so it's grown in these shaded brooks and streams. And I've really debated taking my aquariums and doing a hydroponic setup with wasabi to see how it works. I thought you were just going to say you're going to take it out back, put put some like planter trees around like the creek out back. And- yeah, just right on the big sandy. We're just going to go right in there and, and do big sandy sabi. <laughs> oh, <laughs> named it. Big sandy there you sabi. go. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't know. It's always been a very interesting vegetable or or herb. I, I guess it's a vegetable at that point. It's a root veg. Um, you just eat very little of it. <laughs> but anyways, back to the Grenache. Back to, back to Rosés. Um, so you're going to find that Grenache uh, will bring a sweet red fruit flavor and finish that usually ends with a zesty, sweet, lemony-like uh, acidity. Uh, again, with all these Rosés, you're going to find that acidity being balanced is going to be one of the key things to making a good Rosé. Um, white wines have uh, acidity kind of as a key flavor component, and so uh, you definitely want to look for that in in some rosés. Food pairings for this one, the Grenache is going to be best paired with aromatic spices and nightshades, so tomato, eggplants, red peppers, um, any of those, those pepper plants or eggplants or anything that's going to grow on that 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 type of, of nightshade plant that you're not actually supposed to eat the plant yourself or itself. You're just eating the, the fruit of it. Um, Look to Morocco, the Middle East, and India for cuisine inspiration. That's interesting. You know what? I never yeah. thought about trying to have rosé and like spicy curry or something. Mm. I'm, that would I'm be good. By this, honestly, I would. Uh, I'd be willing to drink some with some if I can get that some and some non. Some <laughs> rosé and potatoes. Mm. Potatoes. So, I mean, a member of the Nightshade family. Oh, I was like, what? oh, that's why you don't eat. <laughs> but you said that, and I'm just like, I mean, I guess. yeah, sure. That's but why you I'll, can't. I'll, I'll eat anything with potatoes. You're not supposed <laughs> to eat green potatoes because they'll kill you. Uh, yeah. But yeah, basically, you've got Isn't it Nightshade funny? families, and you've got cabbage families, and that's pretty much the two <laughs> garden varieties that are out there. Uh, I mean, there are things that vine and grow on, like peas and and beans and things like that. They're all different, but. Um, I guess those are legumes, though, so they're kind of in their own too. Um, Welcome to have a have a garden. That'll be a special yeah, but, segment. Um, okay, keep talking. I have to do some research on whether a pea is a legume. So when you, um, uh, that's interesting that they it comes from province. So in France, Provence. Um, Provence. Um, I, I use my herbs to Provence all the time, <laughs> and so it's basically like Italian herbs plus lavender. Um, but Beans, peas, and lentils are legumes. So, yeah. There you go. But it goes well with uh, with those Middle Eastern spices, which I do not consider to be very similar to uh, those the French foods. No. Uh, maybe just because they all like salsas in their foods. Um, Pinot Noir is the second grape that you're going to see pretty heavily in in um, in your rosé wines i feel like they grow like a metric you know ton per like 10 feet in france of pinot noir <laughs> um well i can take a look at that and see or just and, and just in general i feel like it's like the most common grape i hear of it probably is with what's exported to the u.s 
as a standalone grape. So it's a France is grape. France is really known to like take most of their grapes and blend them into specific. So you don't get a Pinot Noir, you get a Bordeaux, which has mm-hmm. Merlot and I think, and some of these other, you know, may have Grenache in there as well, but it, it's a set blend. And so Pinot Noir may be one of those where they just like, okay, we're going to export this, but it's just going to be Pinot Noir. We're not going to call it anything fancy. Um, it is a finicky grape, grows best in cool climates with lots of inclement weather. Uh, sometimes the vintages are so miserable winemakers table their red wine projects and make rosé with it instead, though. Uh, so you're not going to get the same complexity. You may be, be finding that the skins are bringing things to it that you don't like. Um, so instead of leaving it on there for a long time, pull it off and call it a rosé. Um, and boy, are they fantastic, it says here. Yeah, I Strawberry, orange zest, lemon zest, watermelon, celery, and white cherry. That uh, sounds pe- awful. <laughs> Pinot Noir is usually made into a lean, dry style that bursts with aromas, but tend to be more delicate in their taste. You can pair it up with uh, fridge spices like thyme or the Herb de Provence blends. Um, these green and floral spices will bring out the sweeter fruit flavors of this delicate wine. Yeah, because the Herbs de Provence tend to be a little bit woody uh, in their flavor profile. Additionally, California Pinot usually has enough body to match up with summer corn dishes like succotash or corn chowder. I want some corn fritters right now. Uh, Sangiovese is the next uh, grape that you're going to see, and this grape is pretty prominent in Italy. Uh, It's the top grape variety in one of the most underappreciated and undervalued rosé grapes there are out there. Oddly, this wine's still somewhat tricky uh, to come by in Italy. It's usually labeled as a rosato, which is the Italian way way of just saying pink. It has sweet cherry, wild strawberry, raspberry, allspice, clove, cumin, uh, flavors, Italian Sangiovese is a burst of red fruits that are complemented by subtle, meaty spice notes. Food pairings would be good with, uh, it, it, since it's a bold enough wine, it could handle a variety of foods that would normally be problematic for white wine specifically. Um, the rosé will pair wonderfully with Chinese food, Thai curries, and Italian favorites like caprese salad and prosciutto. Um, huh. Spoiler alert, I'm having... Uh, a wine of this style tonight, and on the back of the bottle it says, uh, "Well, no, it wasn't on the back of the bottle. Apparently, anyways, it was it was in the tasting notes for that that they gave. It was talking about these same exact flavors. It was saying, you pair it with prosciutto and caprese, pair it with Italian foods. Um, of course, it's an Italian wine, so that makes sense. Yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm intrigued by the Thai curry and Chinese food thing, though. Like. Oh yeah, Sangiovese I'm, and some and what like lo mein or something. Yeah, I was literally thinking lo mein. I'm just like, yeah, give me some like chicken lo mein and. I mean, I'll try it. Whatever. The one, well, I won't get all into this. It a all this bit. section of this episode is doing is just making me hungry. But so like, to do a food pairing with beer and food pairing with wine, like food pairing yeah. series or something. For sure, I like this idea a lot. <laughs> um, the, the. Acidity that you're going to get in a lot of rosés is going to help with spicy foods, but also with very heavy dishes that are creamy or heavy sauces. It's going to cut that and clean the palate and kind of get you ready for that next bite, which is kind of nice. Um, Syrah 
It's a doozy as a red wine, which is flavor is kind of rich and oily almost in texture. There'll be some of the meatiest pink whites you'll ever drink. Wow. So the meatiest of the bunch, Syrah Rosé, will exude white pepper, red pepper flake, cured meats, and cherry flavors with a backbone of bitter lime zest. Not your typical fruity rosé wines. Um, this one. When I hear meaty, I hear umami flavors. When I hear meaty, I he, uh, I think of Invader Zim, and I hear <laughs> meats of evil. Um. When you're eating or drinking this, look for foods from the south of France, northern Italy, northern Spain, for inspiration, including roast vegetables, linguine, niquoise salad, uh, lemon garlic shrimp, and paella. Uh, those, again, big, heavy meal-type foods, um, especially like the paella. Uh, you're going to get a lot of, of kind of body and and flavor to cut through those big meats God, or big meals. Me hungry. You are I've the never wine. had paella, so I'm... I'm, Ooh. I'm thinking of that episode of... Because uh, like, I'm not really... Like, I'm thinking of, of someone trying to ask for like, what rosé would go well with a steak? Syrah-based. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, one, like probably that. But no, I'm just thinking of the episode of Parks and Rec where uh, Craig, the, the, the yelling guy... Uh, yeah. I can't remember the actor's name, but you, you would know him if you saw him. Uh, yeah, where he's like their sommelier. <laughs> <laughs> they try to like talk him through, like, I just need you to like not yell at the customers when they ask for something stupid. And so, like, <laughs> they run them through the, through the test of like, I'd like, I'd like uh, ice cubes in my uh, in my red wine, and I'd like, uh, you know. Uh, red with my fish and something else, and he he comes back with like suggestions, and then he goes into a different room that's you know just like a glass wall. It's great, like why did you just stab me in the eye? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that's that. I don't even drink wine that regularly, but those that, that just hurt me. It's like. <laughs> I know you don't do red wine with fish and like the ice cubes thing. Ice cubes shouldn't be anywhere near alcohol. Just stop it. They can tell that to smoke. They can't. They can. <laughs> oh, shots fired. Uh, no, it's a I. Unless it's a margarita, I guess. <laughs> Look, daiquiris. Ice has to be all in your daiquiris. <laughs> okay. Ice shouldn't be in wines of any kind. Shouldn't nor... be in, in, in a straight alcohol. Like, no like, no cocktails. Okay, like, drinks only. Like, it, like, sangria? Yeah, I guess that's the point, isn't it? But yeah. At the same... Well, sangria, I would consider a cocktail. It's a yeah, it's wine like, and other stuff. All the other and you garnish like... it. Just wines and whiskeys. Just stop it. Don't No ice. Uh, <sighs> well. Like, there was a... I was watching a video of the deal guy on YouTube about the best thing, things to get at Costco uh, this month. And it's like a flipping huge Kirkland brand bottle of sangria. And I was like, <laughs> I want that. I, I just want that. Just because. I just want to chug that. They do, their Kirkland brands are so good on the alcohol side. Yeah. We still I remember, you talk, we remember us talking about this, and I don't really drink their wine, but me and Casey, had, I, think, I think it was me and you talking about like just well, good least, budget wine. They sourced mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of their stuff from Jefferson's and it's true. 
what else? Like a lot of their bourbons and whiskeys are sourced from great, like amazing. Say, I'm not even surprised we, because all the other Kirkland brand things are awesome. We we we, uh, we watched a thing about that where we were like they were trying to guess where it was where it was sourced from for <laughs> some of the Kirkland stuff. And even their like scotches are are good run scotches. I mean they're mm-hmm. blends for the most part, yeah. but they're they're still good scotches. Huh. Um, I like the fact that when you go and you buy, let, let's say you're looking and you're buying a bottle of just random Woodford Reserve, whatever, just some standard that you can find just about everywhere. Instead of them selling you a 750, they always sell the liter bottles if it's available. And they sell it for about the same price that the 750 is. Yep. Because Costco. Because Costco. Because you can't beat the price. Like, that's I love yep. Costco. flat out. <laughs> I would also, just live, live, move from Costco to Target and just live I'm in st- both those places. I'm just yeah. still flabbergasted. My brother, who I question being blood now, uh, <laughs> hated on everything from the food court. At Costco. Oh. He had never been, so he went to the food court and got one of everything. He was like, he's like, I was only out six bucks. He's like, I didn't like any of it. He's like, the hot dog was awful. He's like, the pizza wasn't any good. And I was just like, I don't even think we're related. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I, I also have not been. And then, I actually have not been inside of a Costco. So. He followed up with he had to throw it all away and then go to Sam's Club to the food court to get something to eat. And I, I, to which so, I was like, "What? No, absolutely not." I have I have been inside of a Sam's Club. Well, we're I changing did not this. know they had. I did not know they had a food court. <laughs> Week from today, Bob, we're changing this. You oh, gotta, totally. No, their pizza is. Their pizza is so I, good. Oh. No, the the no is I don't want to deal with the chaos of the Lexington Costco parking lot. Oh, just go, it's, go it's, in the morning. It's, it's basically Mad Max out there. I'm pretty sure I saw someone out there like dangling in long johns with a flaming guitar. <laughs> it's a very odd parking lot because the the direction of the spots changes about three times. <laughs> That's all Costco parking lots. Like they are set up purposely to be a maze like that. I'm thinking just to keep people tied up in the parking lot so that it's decreasing the, you know, volume of customers. They're like, look, we can't handle everyone at once. We need you confused for about a half hour in the parking lot first. <laughs> confused getting in. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Confused getting out too. Have you seen the gas station? Like it's all busy as hell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been I've been called out at the gas station once or twice. Oh wow. Because I go in and I pull up and and start to pump my fuel and they're like, "Sir, you have to turn your vehicle off." Oh. <laughs> you like, do do that. You're like, one of those I, people. Yeah. Every time I like when we've been somewhere, the car is still running. I just look at it like I'm gonna die. <laughs> and I'll still be in the passenger seat, just going like, "This is just how I go out." <laughs> uh, I figured. I thought there was a MythBusters on that one. No, the MythBusters was the, the static sparks not going to ignite. Well, no, a uh, static spark will ignite it. Cell phones won't. Yeah. Mm. So it's best uh, you got to discharge a, a, the static a, by yeah. touching the body first and then start pumping your gas and your cell phone, like despite what the stickers say, doesn't do crap. And and <laughs> actively burning uh, uh uh, yeah, an actually functioning engine where you know ignition is happening. No, that's a death trap. Uh, <laughs> you've you've taken my life in in your hands a number of times. <laughs> so on that note, we're still here. Talk about what we're drinking. I know. I'm actually very resentful for that. <laughs> Drink with me, friend. So this is the airing of the grievances. It's a late festivus. <laughs> uh, Bob. 
office uh, airing out his grievance with Casey <laughs> over the leaving the car running while putting gas in it and him being in the car. I'm telling you, Costco is going to make up for it, Bob. Costco is totally worth it. Look, Casey's made up for it in a lot of other ways. This is just, I, I have not had an opportunity to, to air this grievance. It. It's what Festivus is for. Mm. It's Festivus for the rest of us. Uh, all right. Um, yeah. So, uh, what what are you rosé drinkers drinking today? So the now empty bottle of cupcake. Yeah, I that I tracks. didn't even bother looking because that, that one episode I can't remember what even what it was now. And it was a New we Zealand. We had the cupcake wine. It was oh, a New yeah. Zealand wine, but it was supposed to be, and this is tracking with what we learned today. It's supposed to be fresh, and that so that apparently that brand just like knocks it out of the park with the fresh styled wines. Was it cupcake? No, Marl. Marlboro. Yeah. Marlboro. Yeah, yeah. Flavor Country. I was about Flavor to say Country. Back and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Were you a... trying to think of what it was called and you kept going, uh, not camels? <laughs> I'm just uh, like, uh, I know it's Flavor Country. That's where we're going. It's a very pretty bottle and stuff. But yeah, so we got the, this one's sparkling. Um, but it was corked for some reason, which is yeah. weird. That's unusual for a cupcake, I think. Yeah. Aren't they usually twist offs? It's usually, yeah, screw tops. Was it a uh, cork like a? It was Cajun mushroom, cork. mushroom. So okay, yeah, Cajun yeah. cork. Hmm. Um, Which I mean, that's I, I guess because it was carved. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that'll be why. That um, that makes more sense. This doesn't say oh. like the, you know what what grapes are used or whatever, but um, it says blah 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 blah. blah. Lightly kissed by red grapes. <laughs> um. So. The, as far as the flavor profile goes, it says uh, flavors of wild strawberry, fresh raspberry, and mandarin orange with subtle floral notes. Sure. I mean, mine had subtle notes of frozen bombsicle. Yeah. Somebody committed a, a, a war crime over here mixing the energy drink with alcohol he was, in general. He was going for moose juice, and it ended poorly. It did. <laughs> it, it was not good. The The... The wine itself, the two I, things on its separate, own, like it should be, is great. Yeah, the two things <laughs> separate were all right. Uh, the mixture was not good. Uh, we've learned an important lesson today: moose juice is best done with red wines. <laughs> but uh, uh, as most things are, I would, and I still prefer red wine. But I appreciate not having wine mouth right now. <laughs> and I, I drink. Know. I think I, we evenly split this bottle. I'm going to go ahead and say you've got wine mouth. Smile. Look into the camera and smile. No. I'm going to say really. there's, there's some like shadowy wine mouth going on. Somehow there's... you've managed. Why are you <laughs> Why are you like this? I'm going to throw something at you. You know, because uh, on will... the red wine, you can see it. <laughs> like It's evident. I will say when you're mentioning the, the, the Cajun cork on the, the bottle, it did remind me of, uh, as an adult, my favorite scene from the first Muppet movie. And it's the uh, Kermit and Piggy date. With Steve Martin there, and Steve oh, Martin yeah. is just knocking it out of the out of the park. Where like he gets them the champagne, and it's like a it's a it's a, a pop top. Yeah, like he gives it like, and it's like he's like, can we smell the cork? And it's like he just hands him a bottle cap. Yeah. <laughs> and I just remember watching that like as an adult, going like, God, this movie's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, but yes, I I quite liked the rosé, and I think the sparkling. Um, like I, I now I feel like it would be weird to have a a still version, but I I liked this this particular variant. The bubbles, they help. The bubbles explode <laughs> in your face. 
All right, Bob. Uh, Bob, what's in your face? Drinker. Yeah, I I didn't. There were issues. I didn't. Yeah. I left the house today, but like there were some some timing things, and I just wasn't going to get out. Also, I wanted to get this thing drank relatively freshly, so uh, I have. Uh, I'm drinking sake today. Shock! I know I've drank a lot of sake lately. Uh, I've got a friend that makes sake. <laughs> And you got another and friend that makes good. beer. It's like uh, you. Uh... <laughs> I just yeah. Uh, I've got friends in drunk places. Uh, but uh, no, this is uh, this just came out. Well, it's a re-release uh, uh, last week. Um, uh, they had a special release for their uh, uh, membership club thing they have at Void Saki, and. Uh, got the first crack at the nameless mist it is uh so they have a version they have a drink called the harbinger which is like a more refined version of their base regular sake this is a more refined version of their base uh nagori hmm. and uh technically i believe and justin may call me out on this sometime later uh it is a namazaki uh, or, I'm not entirely sure. It is a Nagori where it's unfiltered. I believe this one he's, he told me was not pasteurized, which is the reason I kind of wanted to get this drink fast. Uh, but it has a, it has actually a, a just a touch carbonation. Uh, like just enough to like you pop the cap and you hear like a, tss. uh, but it is, it's nice. What was it called again? Uh, this is uh, the Nameless Mist. It's got a nice creamy mouthfeel. It's got some, uh, I think, like a little little hints of lemon, uh, lemon melon, uh, and mm, it it's. I was looking. On it's the also like and didn't see it, so I was just like, wait, what? Oh yeah, no, like it's not a it's not a a, a regular year round thing. It comes out. Came out one time last year, and they they've just came out with it again this year, uh, along with uh, a uh, blueberry maple. Uh, <laughs> I have a bottle, and it's that one's fine. I will bring it up to you guys so we can all drink it together. So the uh, names of their sakes, I feel like it's trekking with like burial beers, to where you're like, wow, these are great like death metal songs. <laughs> <laughs> well, the album or the album art, see, that didn't help at all. The, the bottle art doesn't doesn't really go against that either. It's like perfect. It's like I can pull up anything, and be like, okay, let's go. Uh, ooh, let's look at this uh, skeleton witch album, and they all sound like either void sakes or burial beers. Or, ooh, that's a great game. Ooh, <laughs> that's a, that's kind of a niche thing though to be like <laughs> sake, you know, void sake or burial beer. <laughs> Mm. I mean, like the despoiler of human life. Go. I I, I couldn't participate with that one because I I I would know oh, all of the names. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm there once a week That's usually because <laughs> I want to I want to see one of my friends and I also like alcohol. I I make no apologies for this. Yeah. Uh, but I do recommend if you get a chance, pick up some Nameless Mist. Uh, it that this year's last year's was good. This year's is a is an extra step, like an extra step up. It's it came out well this year. Okay. 
Casey, what's... Uh... I am on the Peloncini, probably, because it's Italian, so C-I-S-H. Um, Rubicon. Peloncini? Peloncini. Yeah, it's got a double L in there too, but Italian doesn't make they a don't Y. They don't do the Y, yeah. Peloncini. So there you go. Um, Rosato Sangiovese Merlot Rubicon. Um, so Rose with 51% Sangiovese, 49 Merlot. And from the Rubicon, uh, Indication Grafica Typica. So, so by getting this wine. Uh, you've committed a crime against against Rome, and you have to beat Pompey. So as soon as he said Rubicon, I'm like, so Hannibal here. That's that's where we, <laughs> there's got to be a Hannibal joke here somewhere. <laughs> I, I mean, crossed. Hannibal also crossed the Rubicon, yeah. but Caesar Caesar, okay, you know, yeah. more famously did it. Um, it is nice and light, heavily acidic, um, good wine. It's a Costco wine. Um, calendar avid calendar one so they you're did. not going to be able to find it that's <laughs> still within the year they we did. learned so i will say uh just just to toss this in here uh uh we were they were talking about graduation gifts for my cousin uh who graduated today and one of my one of one of my other cousins was getting her a uh, a bottle of rosé cuz she likes it and i'm just what it's a good call I'm, I'm sure she'll love it. Hmm. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to, to interrupt. No, I think that's that's the the where mine kind of ends up today. Um. So yeah. So what do we? Uh, what's group consensus here? I know Bob not drinking a style, but uh, rosé. Uh, I think it's falling into the. It's not. It's pretty non-offensive. Like, I, I don't understand how you could not like it. I really feel like is it's it, the perfect, like, it, summer, spring and summer thing, you know? Is it is it getting into that uh, that Chianti territory where, where we would all like it? Uh, <laughs> okay, you can't judge, Mr. I had this with an energy drink. <laughs> I also drank some of it without the energy drink. Thank you. I think if you... Rosé would make an excellent white sangria um, if you were going to try to mix it with something because the acidity level is so high. I'm also really intrigued by given the descriptions that we got about the food pairing thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that would work really well for us. Like as a, as a means to try it, be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely, the, the non-sweet rosés, I'm definitely le- I'll lean more towards those for sure. I, I was thinking as I was reading through the episode and we were like going over it today. I was like, I, I probably would lean more towards non-sweet. I mean, that's what oh. I tend to do anyway. Honestly, I didn't think this was that sweet. So, because I mean, it mentions the fruits, uh, the fruit flavors and stuff, but like, I don't know. I'm trying to compare it to like the the sweetest oh. stuff that I would normally drink would be like. Cider, I guess. Not that I would mm. drink. But like yeah. compared to cider, not sweet. <laughs> well, I mean, there are there are much more dry ciders than I haven't found those. Yeah. <laughs> so I I've found some that are that are actually I think 
pivot in town might make a couple that are actually more on the dry end they than might, actually but yeah, uh, the commercially available ciders, I they're all too sweet for me. Like I can't do it. It's like Smirnoff Ice or something. I can't handle it. So, but this and uh, this was not that. So, that's where I'm at. But um, this is a nice refreshing thing. Anywho, I feel like that is the end of this episode. I learned a lot on this episode. Let me just say. So, uh, I bet you did because today's show was written by Brittany using uh, what by. is rosé? Quick guide to the pink wine from Wine Fly. Uh, Wine Folly, uh, a listicle from the Spruced Eats, the ten best rosé wines of 2022. Yeah, rosé on Wikipedia, and different shades of rosé wine from the Wine Folly. Yeah, I wanted to put the note on there. Um, wine Folly had so much stuff on this. Wine Plus, Folly has, yeah, Wine Folly has some solid articles sometimes when we're doing. They really do, and then they've got these nice infographics that they make for just about everything. Um, mm-hmm. So I just wanted to kind of shout out to them like that they really have a lot of good good information we have some infographics in the <laughs> i had to put in them the in the script <laughs> but uh, you all can't see that obviously but i'll include it in the show notes they're for everyone else's enjoyment as in the other three of us <laughs> hey it's it, they're they're nice uh yeah uh look they also padded the page length so it looked like we were no i'm I kidding mean, uh no just before we started i did have to resize the yeah, the the there. thing because I, I had to look at it like no I can't read single space anymore I'm old and my eyes can't function. Yeah, we're right there with you. <laughs> Are we going to be an old? I, f- I fell asleep while they Brittany and Emmett were like she was trying to read a book to him then he took it and he's like I'm going to read it and then I he, fell asleep and then they woke me up when they were almost done and Emmett's thrusting a book at me going you read Dad and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> And Kellen and the moon. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, well, if you want to get some more great resources like those that are added in the show notes, you could subscribe or um, go to haveadrinkshow.com at uh, follow us at Have a Drink Show on social media and twitch.tv. Don't forget, you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You use the email address, feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. Uh, take uh, take a, uh, a can, a piece of string, oh, hold ass. it taut uh, somewhere. I'm holding that other can, <laughs> and I will hear you. Uh, or you can use the uh, uh, feedback at haveadrinkshow.com uh, or the feedback page on the website. All joking fun aside, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Don't uh, don't moose juice and drive. Very <laughs> much. Dangerous. Don't juice or, a moose in the first place. Don't, don't moose juice at moose. all. Actually. Don't juice the moose. You will not survive. <laughs> juice will, the mooses. I will juice this moose. Juice the moose sounds like it should be like a Canadian Leonard Skinner song. <laughs> <laughs> or a rite of passage for a Canadian. Mm. Caught juice in the moose. <laughs> it can go so many so you, it's a nice euphemism for well yeah all right uh, anyway <laughs> all right well uh check us out in another couple of weeks for the next live episode remember to check out patreon.com slash have a drink show once again i'm Brittany lee walker i'm justin frazier i'm christopher walker and i'm casey price we'll see you next time bye keep Thanks juicing that moose keep drinking that chicken
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> All right.